the 13th franchise coming to the WNBA. Jess Smith is here to tell us all about how it's coming together, what the plan is. Fascinating times ahead. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hi, everyone, and happy Wednesday to you. I am Howard McDowell, and I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. You guys keep showing up for us, over 175,000 of you in January alone, the way we show up for you six days a week. And, of course, it is not just me. It is the incredible team across the next universe, thenexthoops.com. We have over 100 reported pieces Every single month dedicated to the game. Make sure you subscribe. $9 a month, $72 a year, thenexthoops.com. And we've had quite a bit already about a team that is not even playing yet. And that is the 13th team, WNBA Golden State. We're still waiting on branding. We're waiting on a lot of interesting things ahead. We're going to find out so much. And uh, someone at the head of it... uh, Jess Smith, before we get into the details of the moment, I just want to take a moment to talk about your legacy, the work that you've already done with the Oakland Athletics through the years. Head over to Angel City and create something. And for those of you who are basketball but not women's soccer for whatever reason, the Angel City story is one that there's a lot to learn from. There's a lot to incorporate into how the WNBA can even accelerate growth further. So, Jess, Thank you, first of all, for taking the time to share your insights with us. And I guess the place I would love to start before we get more into your origin story is just top line. The things that are working so well in Angel City, where you're seeing those crowds, the crowds actually getting bigger from year one to year two, which is unheard of for an expansion team. What are kind of those key principles you're bringing into WNBA Golden State? Yeah, And thank you for having me, by the way. This is an unbelievable opportunity to connect with you and your audience. And I just can't stop smiling when we get a chance to chat anything women's sports every day and still don't understand my actual job. So for me, the top line pieces, you know, that I'm going to be looking to bring in to the WNBA are building a product that is for the product, right? We aren't replicating models of other sports and men's sports that have been done for years. Yes, the core sport itself is what it is, but we're building community. We're building a moment that can bring people together behind a brand that propels these incredible athletes, you know, into, um, you know, a sphere that that is big crowds, big media, et cetera. So for us, it's really about doing a lot of listening. What does it mean to the region? What does it mean to the world? How are we finding our place here in the WNBA? And then replicating that through every business practice. You know, I think in women's sports right now, and rightfully so, there's still a lack of trust in the the entities that are putting things together. And it's our job to make sure that we are earning that trust in society, right? So when we're going out to partners, why should they be involved with us? What does that mean? You know, and we're thinking through why a fan should buy a ticket and spend their hard earned money and time, you know, to spend that moment with us to bring them joy. What does that mean? And so really coming back to a core value of why, which we did really well at Angel City as well, is top of mind here. We want to walk the walk, right? We're not an organization that's going to go around and talk about 
being great. You know, we don't want to even say that necessarily. We just want to do that <laughs> and set the example um, in real time. So that's certainly something we learned at Angel City too. Of you have to be genuine. These these fans, rightfully so, demand authenticity mm -hmm. from your organization, and they will reward you for that. So when you're able to bring all those pieces together, which we plan to do here in Golden State as well, it's really something special that you know will create you know quite a legacy. It's interesting to me. There's a couple of ways in which you guys have the opportunity to stand out in a way that's different, not only from Angel City, but from a lot of other expansion opportunities. And one of them obviously is you guys are solo. So, you know, Kathy Engelbert confirmed to our Tony East this weekend, there will be one new team in 2025. You can go back and look at the Golden Knights in the NHL. It seems like there are opportunities not only on the uh, attention side, but on the player procurement side that go along with that. I just wonder purely from uh, your viewpoint, from the Golden State viewpoint, is this something that you guys are happy about, you know, and, and, you know, in what ways do you feel like you're able to kind of utilize it to maximize year one when 2025 arrives? Totally. Well, first and foremost, growth is the most important thing. So however, the W wants to do that, you know, more is more for us. It's not us or them. We think that there are so many incredible markets ready to take on a WNBA team. And I can't wait to see where there's those will be. That said, selfishly, my little bullish on like owning the narrative this entire year and then some, I am because we're also approaching this in a way that hasn't been done before. And I hope we're able to do that and have learnings from how we will do it that others can take and make their own following this. I think mm -hmm. the most interesting thing as I've settled into this franchise and know it's my seventh day on the job. <laughs> so my third in the office, I actually was at NBA All-Star in the middle of that, but last Wednesday was the first time I actually joined here is when you really sit back and think through this organization and think through what it has in a bearings to, to make it powerful, it starts with the investment. You know, owners like Peter Guber and, and Joe Lakeup, they demand, you know, that we at all times like are doing our best to be the best on and off the court. And that tenacity coming into the WNBA of the innate fierceness of like, we want to be great and we will do what's possible to do that is, is huge. And on top of that, you know, infrastructure. We have infrastructure, right? So, so from day one, my job already has a practice facility that's finishing being renovated for our athletes to come in and be able to utilize and make, make themselves at home and hopefully get comfortable training shots and doing all the fun things. Um, but we also have an office and a culture within the WMBA that we're going to build on our own as well. I think we have the best of both worlds in learning from the experts within the Warriors organization. They're a part of us too. And yet also taking some expert experts in culture of our own and making sure that it stands. So ownership, you know, is a huge deal. And I know that the next expansion teams will be a big consideration of that as well. The other part of that, of course, and, and it is worth noting just for our listeners that the Golden State Warriors of the NBA have had a little bit of success. So, you know, it's this is not just, just, a, little. <laughs> just a, few, a few rings that people wear around this office. I'm very jealous. I will. I, I'm looking forward to hopefully earning my own that I will have no active say in necessarily. <laughs> you, you can have the retort that Sue Bird has in that commercial with Steph Curry, right? So that's the goal. That's, well, that, and we, you just skipped way ahead. That was our long-term conversation in segment three. But that being said, obviously you have that opportunity to be able to trade on what is within the organization. You also have, in a lot of ways, a blind slate. I mean, we can go back and say the last WNBA expansion team was the Atlanta Dream. That was well over a decade ago. 
And so as you guys have sort of had this conversation with the league, has that been an evolving conversation as well to understand what the structure is going to look like, you know, what the expansion draft is going to look like? There have been times where expansion teams pick first overall. There are times when expansion teams pick in the middle of the draft. There are some very interesting players who would certainly have a direct impact on what that means for you in 2025. You know, obviously, to the extent you can, what can you share about, you know, that conversation and where it leaves you guys figuring things out? Yeah, that's a great question that we are working on with the league every day, to be quite honest. We're the first expansion team since 2008, but we won't be the last, right? So I think a lot of the considerations are, what does this feel like if two teams come in at the same time in the future? What does this feel like for all entities if there is a year-over-year consideration of growth on hand? Because it will make a huge difference. I think the fun thing about expanding the WMBA right now is the talent is there and then some right, of there's not necessarily a mindset of picking talent and, you know, not having enough talent around to compete. But there is a mindset, of course, of making sure that we can be immediately competitive. And that's good for everybody. But we think that's achievable. And we're working with the league to understand how they view that when it does come to expansion draft and college draft so that we can obviously strategize against that. And then there's free agency, right? That's a huge piece of this puzzle. And one that in women's sports, you can't take for granted. Free agency hasn't always been a key piece of the puzzle. So we're we're really bullish on basketball operations of how this is going to come together. And we're anxious to understand what opportunities, you know, will lie for us to, to bring talent into Golden State from day one, for sure. To that end and that balance, I know obviously it is still a work in progress still to be determined, but you look at one on the one hand, all right, so Paige Becker's just announced that she's returning. We're waiting on Cameron Brink. There are a number of players who obviously have that flexibility with the COVID year. Uh, and Caitlin Clark still hasn't made her announcement either. So theoretically, it could be a 2025 draft involving all three of what would otherwise be the top prospects. The flip side of it is, I'm sure you know, you're very aware of this, that the CBA could be a live evolving document that the players can opt out after this year. Suddenly you're looking at potentially 25, 26 with I, every player who signed this offseason, except for Kalani Brown, does not sign beyond the 2025 season. Do you feel like this is a time to look to win now, especially as you're building in a new market? Or do you try and think of this as an arc in a more traditional way, the way, say, Indiana has over the last few years when Dunn presented a three-year plan to ownership? Yeah, this ownership group wants both, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, of course, we want to win now. And if the market presents itself in an opportunity to do so, absolutely. That said, long-term opportunity to build around core players and core culture is always important to, to organizations. Commercially, it's also important to note that fans really appreciate following the same groups of players. I think what you're seeing with the Aces right now is a great testament to that in real time, how they have these incredible friendships on and off the court, the way that they vibe on the court. And, you know, you you have to respect that both from a winning standpoint and a culture standpoint from a fan base perspective, those are important factors. So I think we're going to be coming in at a really interesting time and there's no predicting, you know, anything. <laughs> and I think that's because we're in such a high state of growth at the WNBA right now. The media rights deal, right, is going to be a huge topic of conversation. And I think that is going to dictate a lot of the other conversations. I think everyone here, Kathy and her office, the teams, obviously us as an expansion are are here for, and, and hopefully the players as well, like 
we all want to grow together, right? There's more for everybody, you know, as, as we continue to grow this business collectively. For me, on a personal note, like why I love working in women's sports and why Angel City was so important to me and when we found that success is I believe that equity within sport exists around building good business, right? When you increase sponsorship dollars, when you increase media deals and viewership, when you increase ticket sales, those are the things that then increase the pot, if you will, right? That allow everyone to win in those capacities. So being relentless on the opportunities to build good business and what that can set for a trajectory for equity within sport is, is top of mind every second of every day. It is fascinating. And it, it, it makes so much sense, not only with what you are building now at Golden State, but also about your origin story and what got you here. So we're gonna talk a little Ohio University, Carly Knox is gonna come up as well. So more in segment two coming up, but first, wanna let you guys know about our sponsor today and that is FanDuel. FanDuel is offering a really interesting new opportunity. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So you place a $5 bet, you win, you get $150 in bonus bets. You can use it on anything. Quick bets, same game parlays, exclusive props, and much more. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So just like all great stories, yours begins at SUNY, where you are a product of SUNY Oswego. We were talking a little off air about the Auburn double days and your first internship there. We're talking about a time where opportunities to grow women's sports were fairly limited. And I guess I wonder, I mean, specifically from a business perspective, when you first saw a career path that was going to allow you to do that in the women's sports space specifically. When, meaning like when there was a light bulb that was like, this is the time for me. Yeah, Yeah, for me, you know, the, I don't know if you've heard it before, but how Julie Ehrman and I, who's the founder and president of Angel City came to be with one another. I've always followed women's sports. I pride myself on building a tremendous network of good humans in the sports industry and sticking together. If you can help people, you can help people. If you can learn from people, please do. And Julie had randomly reached out to me on LinkedIn with a message that just said, hey, I have a project in Los Angeles I'd love to talk to you about. And I looked at her profile. We had no mutual connections at the time and she has a background not in sports, right? So gaming and some other things a little bit. So I was like, maybe there's some piece there that that she thinks I can help her with. So like any trusting human being in this industry, I gave her my cell phone number as one does and just said, hey, call me. And um, it was interesting. She was relooking at that same message my last day at Angel City being like, I can't believe you answered and answered within minutes. And so we spoke on the phone. And she, if you've ever met her, has an incredible amount of passion and just said, I'm bringing a women's team to LA. And this was January of 2020. So this was well before the rights were achieved. There was anything public. It was truly an idea at the moment. And I stopped her and just said, listen, I'm not sure who's associated with your group. I'm interested to find out. But if you don't do this in the most incredible, big way with a vision that is huge crowd, sellout crowds, big partners, top line brand, don't do it. Because if Los Angeles is a market can't show what's possible, it's actually more of a hindrance to the growth of the sport for other ownership groups and et cetera. And it's wild to me that in just four years, that mindset has shifted. But 
four years ago, that really was a risk, I think, in the moment. And so we ended up having coffee a few weeks later when I was in Los Angeles. And she's like, hey, it's Natalie Portman. And for me, there was this feeling of like, this is it in that moment, because as a believer and fan of women's sports, I grew up playing. And when I remember when the WNB was launched, I was like, this is it. Like I, I have all those key moments as a consumer that to me felt like the right opportunity to own every piece of the narrative around the why and around what hasn't been respected in the game and around the resourcing of what building could be. Because I think like so many, there was a moment that Natalie and uh, Jessica Chastain and Uza Aduba, there was a moment that they went to a U.S. Women's National game as a part of the Time's Up movement and said, Time's Up pay up when we were working with the U.S. Women's National team pay an equity case. And that moment signified to society, this isn't a sports issue when it comes to gender equity. This is a societal issue and we're all in it together. And there was something there that opened the minds and hearts, I believe, of a lot of people that then to build a brand around that key feeling was an opportunity that I just, I was so excited about. So I, I candidly just helped very off record, like as I could talking to Julie, sharing with her how to approach sponsorship, what my thoughts were. I didn't know if I'd work there. I just wanted her to have a successful project and to, to help with that. Um, and then, you know, it all worked out with them getting the rights and a few other components to where I was like, I have, I have to go try. I have to go be a part of something that I think is important. And I do think that's something that unlocked in me is also what all of us went through. It was the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. I think every consumer that all of us, right, we all went through something as a world that really made us rethink everything, <laughs> where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, where we spend our money. We now understood our power as a consumer and a collective consumer in a way that we can't ignore has impacted women's sports. You mm -hmm. wanted to get better ratings? Tune in. You want the teams to be successful? Buy merchandise. Buy from the brands that are supporting it. You want to define the values to your employees of a big corporation? Sponsor women's sports, right? There's It's an easier fix with all of those pieces because all of us, and that I wasn't not a piece of that from, you know, work perspective too. I had worked for, you know, four different men's leagues, you know, NHL, Major League Baseball, Major, Major League, or National Hockey League, et cetera. And the opportunity to take the learnings of all of those institutions and then build with a women's sports was really alluring to me. So everyone thought it was a risk for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Logically, they're like, right. are you feeling okay? Um, <laughs> I was really pregnant with my second daughter in the middle of a pandemic. And I just said, yeah, I, I have a lot of clarity for the first time in a long time. And thankfully I did. And every gut feeling we had from a business trajectory was met. And now the opportunity to take those last four years of learnings and do that here around the sport of basketball, which is just, I think, incredibly powerful in so many different ways and what it represents in the Bay Area is going to, is magical is the wrong word as we talked about earlier, because women's sports isn't magical, but powerful is a better one. It is. And, and it's fascinating because, again, it goes back to your point chronologically is the thing that I keep coming back to is that women's sports has done this into the teeth of the most uncertain period in American history that we've ever lived through, certainly. And so looking at it from that perspective, looking at it as a developing economy in that way, that we see teams that were valued at around $3 million in NWSL now being valued at 50, $60 million, depending on the team, depending on the sale. WNBA, a similar scenario where 
the CBA that we were just talking about that the players can opt out of at the end of this year was signed in January of 2020. That was supposed to provide stability. And instead, all that has followed has been explosive growth paired with uncertainty about what the direction of sports as a whole are, not just women's sports. And so I guess I feel like when you look at this opportunity, does it feel almost more settled in a way than Angel City would have been simply because there's too much data to ignore now. You can't, you know, I remember people saying with a straight face, oh, sure, they're going to follow the national team in women's soccer, but not NWSL, as if people would watch Megan Rapinoe in one jersey, but she put on a different shirt and people don't want to watch her. Like, it never made any sense. Now it doesn't feel like that proposition has to be argued. And you know this better than I do because you're in those rooms. Is that the, the tenor has changed to that extent? It, it has. And I think having a pulse on it from, you know, the workings behind women's sports for the last four years puts me at a great advantage coming into a new brand to do that, truly. The data is unprecedented and it's not slowing down. It's every week there's record viewership. It's every week there's a different athlete, you know, getting a triple double and like <laughs> those moments, it's not just one. Like, obviously there's some narrative like sucked up by one or two or three or four. That's great. But there's also five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I mean, look at the basketball standings and week to week right now in NCAA. It's wild, right? You just don't know with the amount of talent that is out there, how it's all going to go. So yes, that piece of what we're building absolutely has more solidarity to understanding where it's going. The confidence in things like the media deal being up, that's an excitement. That's not, okay, the media deal's up. That's like, okay, the media deal is up, right? Like what we're seeing here is going to be rewarded for like what the consumers are showing are out there. So for me, especially coming into this organization, this ownership group, as some of the elements I talked about before of infrastructure, like Angel City was this a startup, 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 right? Like four years ago, it was, we all had a laptop in our houses, working over video conferences and Slack and building a company and slowly like making it what it was. Like didn't have an office at first, didn't know where to find desks. Like how do we get insurance. I mean, every aspect of the organization was a true startup. I have the opportunity to come into this organization and I have things that like a legal department and an incredible people operations department and infrastructure and basketball operations that are set on winning culture, right? Those pieces of the puzzle exist. Now we get to create with that. It's like a not and or it's a yes and opportunity for us. So being able to come in my first week focused on media, <laughs> focused on increasing our seed deposits, which are there, even though we haven't necessarily proven anything quite yet, you know, and building our commercial business in a valuation system that is now stable and growing again, I think is is a very different experience and one I'm looking forward to, to being a part of. In segment three, we're going to hear what that number is. We're going to let the people know how many people have signed on sight unseen to watch the WNBA in the Bay Area right after this. But first, our other sponsor today is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience, which bring home a winning trophy, and it also keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whatever you need, eBay Motors has got you covered. And thank goodness, I don't know anything about cars, but eBay Motors does. So they have something called eBay Guaranteed Fit. 
your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Back with Jess Smith. And Jess, what is the number of already season ticket deposits that you guys have for WNBA Golden State? Yeah, we are nearing 5,000 season ticket deposits, which is beyond exciting. And I joke, but it's it's not a joke. It's just a testament to, I think, two things. One, the excitement around what, what having a WNBA team is, and two, the trust in this ownership group for building something building something that's out there. But I, I joke in that we don't have, we haven't announced and, and are still working on brand, name, identity, logo. So like, that's obviously a key moment. We haven't yet announced a GM, a head coach, which yes, we're working on those pieces too. The only thing we've announced is me and I am not that interesting. So the fact that, you know, we are nearing 5,000 seat deposits now is such a testament for what's to come. I can't wait to continue to build the trust with the consumers out here and to, to really work on having a vibe at Chase Center like no one's seen before. Respectfully disagree on whether you're interested, but it sounds to me like you're saying that there's a scenario where you're the only person playing on day one of the 25 season. Is that, have you sort of internalized that where it's, it's you against, you know, let us say the New York Liberty and you're tipping things off against Brianna Stewart. I think that's a fair matchup. Like my, my three point range might be a little rusty from my high school days, but I did have a few games where I was 30, 40 points. So, you know, if I can throw down from back when I was 17, which is gosh, more than 20 years ago now, we'll see. I'll have to get in shape. I'll have to use that new practice facility pretty diligently this next year. Listen, it's going to be a hell of a story. I'll put it that way. I look forward to it. But let's talk seriously about that year one. And you laid out the things that are coming. In your mind, is there a specific order that you want to have them? Are you looking at like, gee, quarter two is when we really want to have this? I'm, I'm just wondering sort of what the priorities are as you're organizing that in your mind for 2024. I mean, if anyone's met me, they know that they're all my priority and I want them tomorrow. <laughs> so the reality is I'm a week on the job and we will have a set timeline for the brand, et cetera, here in the coming months. And I say months, hopefully in shorter months versus longer. Obviously, when we announce that, we want it to be something that is big, owns the narrative in every which way, shape and form, brings in the right stakeholders of influence to be a part of that storytelling with us, you know, so that it's a huge moment. And to capitalize on it from a, a revenue standpoint, right? How does that help us in really tactical ways drive those seat deposits numbers to a point that, you know, can't be ignored? How does that help us sell merchandise and ensure that we have walking billboards, not only all over the Bay Area, but from folks in the US or globally that want to define themselves as a part of what we're building here at Golden State? So that will be a key, key moment. In regards to the talent, you know, those pieces are active conversations. And as you know, Timing is always interesting based on the candidates that are there. So we definitely have some goals at hand for the spring and summer around, you know, beginning that trajectory. That said, you know, those are always it's the people are more important than the timeline on those pieces. So when we when we do that, we will get it right versus, you know, rushing anything around a timeline. 
makes perfect sense and sounds like a series of presents for uh, fans over the course of the 2024 year heading into 25, which is fascinating to me. And and I, I have no doubt you'll announce it properly to go along with it. So we'll, we'll be covering that's for sure. I, I want to set the scene for our last question because you were at All-Star Weekend. And time and time again, our listeners, I don't know how much our listeners know the history, but it has been, like you said, numbers too big to ignore. That's what women's sports successes have had to be time and time again. I go back to the U.S. women's national team when it moved from uh, ESPN covering the World Cup to Fox Sports. Fox Sports had the opportunity to prove they could handle a World Cup. They used the Women's World Cup in 2015 like a test case. I had people at Fox Sports telling me that we didn't expect the numbers that we saw. It happened because they were proving a point about the men's sport. And oh, look what happened. You look at UConn women's basketball in 1994. Why did it get the coverage it did that year? Yes, Rebecca Lobo. Yes, Gina Oriyama. But an NHL strike for the Hartford Whalers and a baseball strike looming in the, in the offseason heading into 95. And so, oh, it turns out people care very deeply about this. Time and time again, it's done without intentionality. What I love about Angel City is that it is done with intentionality. What happened this weekend, Steph versus Sabrina, felt like it was done with intentionality. So two things. One, take me inside the building, what that felt like for you as somebody who was at the epicenter of it. And number two, how much did that feel like vibe-wise, even more than revenue-wise, what could be a year from now? Yeah, I can't help but be excited about it and a little emotional about it. There's those life moments where something's so affirming in front of you around how to build and what to inspire people to feel that is so much like that, that that was a societal moment that just happened with these two leaders in both Steph and Sabrina going out there and knowing what this means. I was courtside for the actual moment and the crowd during when Sabrina went off for her first seven, the crowd emotion behind her was something I'll just never forget. And you're looking around at certainly, you know, the celebrities that are there, but you're looking at all of the influential NBA athletes, which were cheering for her too. Like, you know, yes, this is your stage. Like, please can be a part of this. And it's one of those moments, much like I described earlier with Natalie and company, like, we're there together on that court. And I think showcasing that the product, like if you can shoot, you can shoot. I think Nike is so smart. And so is Sabrina, obviously for, for working through that, but that moment will mean a lot being inspired by that. You know, we've already talked about how are we taking what that feeling was in both from a WNBA golden state side, but also a warrior side in hosting all-star next year. What does that feel like for our region? Because that we feel like signifies how we're going to build this team, you know, and, and credit to her for shooting from the NBA line. And, you know, it's such a unfortunate, you know, understanding of like, yes, she's going to go do that because she wants people to know, yes, I can. And this is equatable, right, on both sides there. So it, it really meant more than just both of them performing at or better than everybody in the three-point contest that day. You know, it's, you know, for I would say I'll speak for myself only, but for me, it was yet again a moment that said, yes, I'm up for the challenge. Yes, I'll be here. And, and, and 
I'll earn our place for me and others, you know, to to come behind me as well. So they both have Bay Area roots, by the way. She is she is from the East Bay. Certainly, Steph is now the staple of Bay Area athletics for all time, as he should be. So it was it was really special. New York Liberty fans are already nervous about WNBA Golden State as it relates. <laughs> You, know, I, you said that I did not. <laughs> I, that's correct. No tampering. You're exactly right. But no, to your, to your point, and and it makes perfect sense. And by the way, to any any critics out there, Sabrina shot 38.3 percent from 25 to 29 feet last year. So like, anyway, we'll just sort of let that stat live as an implicit answer uh, to all of it. But just a chance to see competition on the national stage, getting the opportunity. Like you said, it isn't magical. It's just putting it in a place where people can appreciate it, enjoy it. And as I mentioned, much in the same way that you guys at Angel City, have, you have shied away from giveaways. And Carly Knox, another product of Ohio University, talks about this all the time with the Minnesota Lynch, that if we don't value our product, no one else will. And so to see that be the approach you are taking is very meaningful to me and should be to so many. So Jess Smith, we are out of time. Thank you so much for sharing all your insight. I, I'm confident the first of many conversations we will have. To our listeners, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We will be back with you tomorrow, just as we are, six days a week. Until then, I am Howard Meadow, wishing all of you a wonderful Wednesday. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 